can be amazing, you can turn a phrase into a weapon or a drug. You can be the outcast, to be the backlash of somebody's lack of love. Yeah, or you can start reaching out. Maybe there's a way out of the cage where you live. Maybe one of these days you can let the light in. Show me how big a brave is. Say what you want to say and let the words fall out. Honestly, I want to say you'll be brave with what you want to say. Let the words fall out Honestly I wanna see you be brave You know, she won't write you a love song But she will write you a hella good piano rock album And a Tony Award winning Broadway musical And let's be honest, she writes pretty darn good love songs too I think you might know who I'm talking about Of course, one of the best singers One of the best songwriters One of the best singer-songwriters of our generation The girl with a foul mouth and a golden voice Sarah Bareilles Welcome to Pop Culture Catechism Conversations about music, movies, and the longings of the human heart Let's get started Have you ever been crushed? What do I mean by that? Have you ever been through an experience where you were so pushed down, so crushed, just so worn down from what life throws at you that you weren't sure you were ever going to be the same? In fact, you were pretty sure you were never going to be the same. How do you recover from that at those moments when you're not even sure how you're going to go on? How am I even the same person as I was before? I don't even know who I am after what just happened or after what I did. Well, Sarah Bareilles, our topic for today, has so many songs about that, and I am super excited today to cover those topics with my new friend, Kirsten Lyons, who is co-host of The Crushed Podcast, where they talk about just this sort of thing and just these sort of experiences, those those liminal, those crux moments, those moments where life changes and, and it seems like it's trying to beat you down, but how do you, like a phoenix, rise from the ashes and move forward? So that's what we're going to do today, but before we get into it, I need to tell you a little bit more about this show. This is Pop Culture Catechism, where we talk about movies and music and pop culture and all the things and how that connects to our hearts and what God has put in our hearts and all those deep questions of life. My name is Mike Tenney. I am a speaker and worship leader. I run this podcast and I spent over a decade in Catholic high school, uh, Catholic education, teaching high school theology and also trying to make it as a rock star at night. And now I love to talk about pop culture and what it has to do with life, the universe and everything. And if you want to support this show, you can go to popculturecatechism.com and become a patron. Our patrons, thank you so much, patrons. You are the ones that keep this show running. And there are six tiers of giving that you can choose from. Pick one that fits your budget, that fits your your tithe, and support the show. And not only do you get to help out on Awesome Ministry, but you also get exclusive content. So each episode has exclusive content. Also, all the talks that I give when just as part of my speaking ministry, I record them and I put them in there. And only the people who are patrons of this show get access to them. And there's other more perks depending on your giving level in those tiers. For example, today, the exclusive content, uh, after we're done recording, Kirsten and I are going to talk about Sarah Bareilles' best love song. So if you're a patron, check that out after the show. And if you're not a patron, what are you waiting for? Go to popculturecatechism.com and uh, sign up and you can get that content through the Awaken app. The Awaken app has lots of exclusive content for patrons, but also it's a free app and it has lots of free stuff for everyone. So you can go to the awakenapp.io or just search in the app store and there it's a uh, 
online Catholic community where we try to avoid a lot of the toxicity and drawbacks of some of the other social media platforms. And there's also a prayer library. There's a Christian music library. Uh, plus any shows that you're a patron of, uh, you have exclusive content there for you as well. And it's also just a hub for all the great shows on Awaken Catholic. So thank you so much to our patrons who make this possible. And if you like this episode, if you know someone who's a Sarah Brellis fan, uh, you know, like this on YouTube and Facebook, subscribe on your podcast app, share this with somebody, take a screenshot, send it to them, just say, hey, I think you'd really like this um, if you think somebody would get something out of this conversation. So thank you so much. And uh, Kirsten, I'm really glad to have you here. Tell us a little bit more about yourself. Um, my name is Kirsten Lyons. Um, I'm an actress, a writer, a director, and now a podcaster. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I was a TV actress in LA for 13 years. And nice. then my heart just got broken so many times and I needed to take a break. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know it was a break. I thought it was done. And God was like, Haha, just kidding. Uh, so um, yeah, uh, I am going back into acting, which feels really, really scary, wow. but really awesome too. Mm-hmm. My husband and I have a small little production company where we do branded content and stuff for brands, um, as well as I now host with my cousin and um, co-host. I created and um, host the podcast, Crushed the Podcast, mm-hmm. um, and it's actually based on a solo show called Crushed. Why is it that the boys you like don't like you back? Um, but my show is Crushed. Why is it that the life you like never likes you back? And, All right. Um, yeah, it's it's super cool. I for, I think I just I discovered it because I follow Claire McCallan, and I think you guys have worked with oh, her yeah. a couple of times. I discovered, and I was like, "What is this podcast?" And I listened to it, and I was like, "This is really cool." Just like in depth discussions um, j- about these these moments in people's life that they have to kind of rise from the ashes, as I said. And I just loved your guys' banter. There's there's a really cool friendship, cousin connection, accompaniment sort of yeah. thing you guys got going on uh, between you yeah. and your cousin. It's really beautiful the relationship uh, you have, mm-hmm. and. Uh, even some of the discussions you've had at the beginning of season two, just about your faith journeys is just like, oh, this is, this is a really beautiful thing on display your relationship. So, so thank you for that. And, uh, in one of the first episodes I listened to, you started talking about Sarah Bareilles and I was like, Ooh, 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 I need them on my show. <laughs> Cause I wanted to talk about Sarah Bareilles for such a long time, but I was just like waiting for the right person to ask. And I was like, okay, now I know now I have to reach out. So <laughs> yeah, it's, it's we're, we're, we're ready to go. So, uh, tell us, of well, I will tell our listeners and our viewers, if you don't know who Sarah Bareilles is, um, she has had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven albums out by this point. Uh, she started with Careful Confessions in 2004, which I, I think was kind of self-released because a lot of the same show, uh, uh, same songs ended up on Little Voice, which I think is where most people start to know her from with, with I'm Not Gonna Write You a Love Song and um, Many of the Miles and some, some of her first hits, Kaleidoscope Heart in 2010, The Blessed Unrest in 2013, which is what, what Brave is off, off of. Um, and then she started getting into writing for musicals. She wrote the the um, music for the musical Waitress, which has been huge and on Broadway with her and Jason Mraz and lots of other cool people. Um, and then she had Amidst the Chaos, her last album in 2019. And uh, she's now she's getting into TV. She's on this uh, show called Girls 5 Eva, which is like a... a, a about a girl group that like reunites. I, I I think you've watched it, but I haven't gotten a chance to watch it yet. It's oh, I've watched it. Okay, good. Do you recommend it? it? I do. Uh-huh. I, I really do. I think it's great. But I also will say that it. I think it hits a demographic that may not be your demographic. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> it, it, it's definitely more for, I think, 
maybe uh, upper millennials. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, so I, I, I often find myself listening to stuff that, and watching stuff that's not really for my demographic, but I, I don't know. I don't know what that says about that, about me, but I um, mean, she was also, I think a lot of people know her from uh, Jesus Christ Superstar, which was broadcast on TV. She played Mary Magdalene uh, opposite John Legend, who is Jesus and lots of, lots of other cool people in that production. She is, seems like she can do it all. I think she's, um, there, there are some people in entertainment who end up uh, by the end of their career with what they call an EGOT, an Emmy, a Grammy, a Grammy, an Oscar and a Tony. And I think she's, she's not quite there yet, but she's been nominated for all of those things except an Oscar yet, I think. But I think by the end of her career, she's going to be an EGOT. And there's like, that's like a very small number of entertainers. She's just like super talented, um, across the board. So, um, She's had nominations for eight Grammys. She's only won one, but she's uh, been nominated for three Primetime Emmy Awards and two Tony Awards. And she's won at least at least one Tony, I think. But anyway, she's super talented and happy to talk about her today. Um, Kirsten, so tell me a little bit about what you love about Cerberellis. Um, uh, I just love her so much. I think, honestly, I, okay, so I came to find Cerebrales from a guy I was dating mm-hmm. who, at the time, I was dressing up as a Disney princess. Well, 20%. I, not a true Disney princess, but, you know, uh-huh. uh, for little kids' birthday parties. Yeah. So you can't really say, like, I wasn't really Ariel. I was, like, a mermaid that looked exactly like Yeah, I've, I've had a number um, of actor friends do that. Yeah. yeah, and he had found this song, Fairy Tale, and he it reminded him of me because I dressed up as princesses. And then... I found her album and just fell deeply, deeply in love with her. Um, and I actually, at the same time, I was kind of dating this guy. I was working in a restaurant, P.F. Chang's. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the guys that I worked with was had been in a vocal group with her at UCLA. Okay, cool. So it was kind of like this whole world. And then I have another friend who's really close. Like, just living in L.A., it's just kind of like know a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. So I just have, like, a really big connection to her like just through different people Mm -hmm. and then um her songwriting is just it's me like it it, it just feels very it's very crushed it's very this idea of you know these things you want you don't get but how does that make you feel or people like kind of coming down on you and how you know your self-worth and i also just love honestly she's honest and on her show she's like hey these are my wrinkles yeah so Let's do it. Yeah. Um, and she, on uh, Dak Shepard pod's podcast, she talks about falling in love with her nose, which just, mm. I just think she's a really wise person. I don't yeah. know where her spirituality is. She has mm-hmm. a ton of themes in terms of, you know, yeah. spirituality, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, I just love her. And I've gotten to see her at the Hollywood Bowl live doing Little Mermaid. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah, it was pretty incredible. And then at the end, Jody Benson came out. And I worked with Alan Menken on a TV show. Oh, and cool. so it was just it was a moment of like, what is happening? This is so great. That's so, awesome. I feel like I have. Oh, and then one of my really good friends is a Today Show producer and looks exactly like Sarah Browson. So they <laughs> always put them together. And there's like pictures of her all over. The, it's just, I don't know. Sarah's just my girl. Yeah, that's awesome. That's cool. Yeah, and I know she's... Um, it c- connected with me and my wife and just our relationship and a lot of her lyrics and, mm-hmm. and several of my, I'm a musician. So I've uh, in just different collaborators and friends of mine, especially like female piano based, uh, singer songwriters of which I'm close friends with, with a number of them. And all of them are just like, Ooh, Sarah, like Sarah Bareilles is like, is, is, is their dream of like that, that, that is what, what I want to do. You know, I want to write, yeah. These honest songs, but they have a little bit of an edge. There's like blues influence and jazz influence. Mm-hmm. It's it's 
and her voice is just out of this world. She can do everything from like Disney princess stuff to, you know, like one of her first tours was with Maroon 5. It's very, very like, like it's got that pop element, but it's also very blues influenced, like that song Undertow or uh, Morningside, especially on some of her early stuff or even St. Honesty off her last album, again with the honesty, but just such a, such a blues influence and uh, the precision of her voice, like the melody she comes up with, they're not just like single note, there's so many simple melodies in pop music nowadays and hers are just all over the place. And she's like spot on. If she doesn't have perfect pitch, she's got to have like near perfect pitch. She's just, she's crazy, crazy talented. Um, Wow. And, and, and even just like her her vocal phrasing. Sorry, I'm a I'm a music nerd, so sometimes I get into the weeds a no, little I'm bit a on the musical technique. Okay, fine. so You're like fine. even even the way she changes from the beginning of the song to the end of the song with the chord structures and the way she sings things, it reminds me a lot of Adam Duritz from The Counting Crows. The way by the end of the song is different from the yeah. beginning of the song. Um, but it's still, I think she's a lot tighter than he is. Like she, she, she doesn't just like kind of go off the rails like he does, but she, it's, it, I don't know. I, I just think she's a, a consummate musician and she's incredible. There's, there's nothing she can't do. So, um, yeah. Anything and else you want? Funny. Yeah. She's so funny. She's got such well, a foul a mouth. Comedian, I love her because she's so funny. Yeah. And as a musical theater major, she's such a musical theater dork. Yeah. You know, uh-huh. so there's like, there's very she's very nerdy and, yeah. and also very witty. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, I think it's hilarious. She's got like such a foul mouth. Like she's always dropping the F bomb. But it's like uh anyway, it's, I I I think she's great. I think she's great. So uh anything else before we get into some spirituality and some themes? Uh my husband I just remembered this. My husband sat next to her dad on a plane years ago before she was like getting big uh-huh. and he was just the proudest papa ever <laughs> like he was so proud and yeah. and it was just my husband was like it was just so sweet to see this father who just loved his daughter mm-hmm. not only because yes she's this great singer songwriter mm-hmm. but just because he was the daughter you know that's awesome daughter. that's his daughter that's super cool. All right. Well, let's start to look at some songs. Uh, so the first song I want to talk about, this is from Waitress. And I, I, I had heard this song before, but I never like dug into it until you recommended it. Um, it's called You Matter to Me. And let's bring those lyrics up. So, uh, well, first of all, that's what Sarah Brellis looks like. If you don't know, that's her rocking out on stage. So this song, You Matter to Me, this is from the Waitress musical. And the, the version that I listen to is her and Jason Mraz, which is just like a match made in musical heaven. I haven't done an episode on him yet, but it's going to happen at some point. So uh, tell us about this song and why you love it so much and what what speaks to you in it. So it's interesting. So I saw, I got to see Waitress on Broadway. I didn't get to see her. Joey mm-hmm. McIntyre, though, was the male lead. Mm-hmm. So that was fantastic oh, cool. for my nine-year-old self. Um, but there's something about this song. Okay. There's a twofold. Mm-hmm. I realized God has been trying to reveal to me over the last, I mean, my whole life, but really over the last one to five years mm-hmm. that I really didn't believe that I mattered oh. as much as I thought I thought I knew everybody else did, but there mm-hmm. was like a deep wound in my heart that I didn't believe I mattered. Mm-hmm. And that, that's childhood wounds. And we talk a lot about that on crush. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, God was like gently pressing on this wound. And he finally, about nine months ago, finally was like, Hey, this is your like big wound. This Mm -hmm. is the thing that kind of drives all your decision is that you don't believe that you matter to me. Mm -hmm. And very soon after, like, I think within 24 hours, this song came on Wow! and it just was like, I mean, it's probably the most powerful moment I've ever had with a song Mm -hmm. in terms of my relationship with God. Yeah. And, um, what I love about it is 
it's two people having an affair. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're singing to each other and they're yeah. having an affair, which is also hilarious because I think God is hilarious. Mm-hmm. I think he's the, you know, the best comedy writer ever. Yeah. Uh-huh. And uh-huh. I crushed started, the whole show started because my ex-fiance cheated on me. Oh my God. And so there's something that, that's why the solo show happened. That's It almost became a pilot, at, um, which is like the first TV show at ABC, mm-hmm. almost got sold to ABC, which is a whole nother crush moment. Mm-hmm. But it's just so funny to me that God was like, hey, guess what? I'm also going to throw some humor in there. Uh-huh. And it, it, the redemptive quality of these two characters are singing to each other and they're so broken, especially the lead mm-hmm. that Sarah Brales, you know, she created and she eventually played her on Broadway. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, I think that's what's so beautiful to me is that, it, there's such a redemptive quality about it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, there really is. And that just that idea that you matter, you matter like mm-hmm. the, we are we are. Uh, and, and so often when we have trauma from childhood or abuse or betrayal from from being cheated on or uh, an affair or something like that, it can teach us the lesson and send us the lesson that, that we don't matter. And uh, how could I have avoided this? Like really, maybe, maybe in some ways it's, it's, it's my fault. Like maybe I could have controlled that and maybe I could control it in the future when the, the truth of the matter is, you know, we live in a world where God gave us free will and consequences. And like, sometimes that hurts and sometimes it's not fair. It's other people's fault. And, but we still matter. Right. And there's still a way out like this. This this isn't the end, this trauma and this awfulness, this crushing that you're going through right now. And you still matter to me even in this. And I think that's the power of the cross that Jesus is like, hey, like I've I've been there. I know exactly what that is like to be betrayed by the people that are supposed to love you, that said they'd love you, that said they'd never turn their back on you. And just a few days later like betray you, leave you behind. I know exactly what that's like. And I'm here with you in it. And you matter to me. Like that's, oh, that's so powerful. Like I totally, I've had those moments, not with, not with this song, but with other songs that, that spoke to me. Um, and yeah, just you matter to me. Simple and plain. It's not much to ask from somebody. You matter to me. I promise you do. Like we, we need to hear it over and over again, right? You matter to yes. me. You matter to me. You matter to me. Um, and if we, if, if we've gotten the opposite message from somewhere, like there are people in our life that can give us that, but also like our relationship with God, like going back and just letting the love of the father wash over us through prayer and community and sacraments and, and all the different avenues of grace he has for us. Um, yeah. Beautiful. I love it. Yeah. All this time I've been keeping my mind on the running away. And for the first time, I think I'd consider the stay. It's hard to stay after you've been hurt, Right. Like, how do you, how do you, how do you learn to trust again after your fiance has, has, has cheated on you? Like, that's gotta be a process. <laughs> I, it's a full process. I yeah. mean, there was a lot involved, obviously. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm a big, we, we talk about it a lot. We're big advocates for mental health and yeah. whether that's mm-hmm. a counselor, spiritual director, therapist. Um, for me, it started, I started going to Al-Anon, which is friends and family of addicts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that for me was the biggest first step in acknowledging that I had a, um, I had an addiction, which is funny that it says it's addictive the minute you let yourself think. Uh-huh. I had an addiction to wanting to be almost like be God for other people. Mm-hmm. I wanted to save other people to the detriment of my own self. Yeah. And I felt like God finally was like, Hey, yeah. yeah hey, <laughs> by the way, um, you're not God. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know if you got that memo, but you're not, mm-hmm. you're actually a human and I love you and I want to use you, but you are not me. Yeah. And you need to, and, and I think, you know, it's interesting 
because I we we talk about this with our eight year old. We have three kids, and we talk about this with our eight year old that we realized we were teaching her so much to be kind. We forgot yeah. to teach her that she's just as valuable, and she needs to be kind to herself. Yes, and she's allowed to put up boundaries. And I think what I love about this song and the realization is that I truly, really thought I, my goal in life is to let everybody know they're not alone and that they're loved. But yeah. the problem was that I wasn't letting myself believe that. And yeah. I think keeping my mind on the running away, mm-hmm. if I'm being really honest, I kept running away to help other people because I didn't want to deal with the fact that I was really broken. And wow. Yeah. I, I, I associate with a lot of that. And, and, uh, one time I was in spiritual direction and the, the priest, um, said, you know, Jesus says to love your neighbor as yourself. How can you do that if you don't love yourself? And that's not selfish to set up boundaries. And in fact, it's an act of love to not let that person abuse you and use you because you're, you're, you're keeping them from sinning. You're keeping them from doing that not only hurts you, but hurts them. So it's actually an act of love for them and for yourself to set up these proper boundaries and, 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 you know, teach other people how to love in by, by saying no in certain situations. And that was like a revelation to me. And I, I think very, very much, you know, my parents are like, you know, think about how this will affect other people and, you know, think about how that would make you feel, th- you know, and, and empathy. And that's great. We should teach that to our kids. But one of the most powerful moments was when my dad in high school, there was, there was kind of a situation where I was in with, with a girl where I think I was, I was going overboard and just trying to do everything for her, everything for her, everything for her and kind of bending over backwards in a way that was unfair to me. And my dad was like, you know, it's okay to say no, it's okay to, you don't, you don't have to like, crush yourself, crush. (laughs) You don't have to crush yourself to like, for the sake of somebody else's insecurities. And that was such a powerful moment when my dad taught me like to set up boundaries. And what, and what a gift, right? Like, I think the other thing that can be, look, God can use anything, but also Satan can use anything. Oh yeah. Okay. And so our love of other people, Satan's like, Oh really? Okay. Mm -hmm. I'm so excited about this. Now I'm going to use this. You know, and I think it's, that's why I think the humility aspect and seeing my pride of, and my pride came out of, I was so hurt. I didn't want anybody else to be hurt, but then it became, I am God. Right. Right. And my humility of, because you see these martyrs, I mean, mm-hmm. we're, we're, we're giving these saints and we're giving these martyrs and we think we're supposed to do X, Y, and Z and mm-hmm. the humility of asking for help and asking for clarity and direction and obviously in a prayer life, but also from somebody who has an objective outside perspective, like your dad and that your dad's not in that relationship. Yeah, mm-hmm. your, your dad is could healthy, create healthy, help you create healthy boundaries. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it is a parent and sometimes it's the parent that you need to create. Healthy yeah. Boundaries uh-huh. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Very humility, good. Humility, humility, humility. <laughs> yeah. Very good. Very good. All right. So let's, um, I want to get into what I think is like her most quintessentially crushed song. Again, this is from Waitress. And we're going to talk about things other than Waitress, but I wanted to start with this. Uh, She used to be mine. And uh, so... Uh, this is, this is, I, I haven't seen the, the, the show, but maybe you could kind of give us some context for where this happens in the show and like kind of what's going on in the song. So essentially it, there's, so there's a movie waitress and mm-hmm. then that movie got turned into the musical. So yeah. essentially she's, um, in an abusive relationship mm-hmm. and she is, it's emotionally and physically abusive wow. and she's pregnant and she mm-hmm. goes to um, go to this doctor because she's pregnant and she doesn't want the baby mm-hmm. because the baby reminds her of all the abuse. Yeah. And she goes to the doctor, but she's like, fine. Okay. It's almost like fine. Okay. I'm pregnant. Like what else? And she's this incredible baker and she works in this bakery and she's just such a love, but mm-hmm. she's 
let herself be beaten down by this emotionally and physically abusive relationship. And I think also just herself, you know, mm-hmm. going back to, she doesn't love herself yeah. and she and this doctor have, um, end up having this affair that in a lot of ways is shown is mirroring unconditional love, but in mm-hmm. a really twisted and disordered way. Yeah. Um, and so this is actually, she's kind of singing to her baby mm. and she's, she's singing like, who have I become? Most days I don't recognize me. These shoes and apron. This place. She like she's working this. What she believes to. It's like where did I? I was so talented. I was such a loving person, and I've just been really beaten down by this yeah. relationship and by life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not even sure who I am I, uh, anymore. Um, yeah. So, so this this song is hard for me to listen to it without like. Uh, tearing up because of the, the, the connection it has to me and my wife and, and my, so my wife has never wanted, has never wanted this story to be public. But when I told her I was going to be talking about this song, she was like, I think, I think it's time to share this story. So <laughs> this is something that's never been shared, um, public publicly before. So thank you to my, my dear wife, Maddie for, um, you know, cause I think, I think her story will, will mean a lot for, for, for some people who have gone through similar things. It's like this song in a lot of ways is her story. So when she was 19, she was putting herself through, through college by working as a waitress at PF Chang's, which is kind of hilarious. Yeah. 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 Um, and you know, she, maybe not some of the, the best friends she was hanging out with and she, she, she went to a party, uh, drank too much, um, went too far with a guy one night that she didn't intend to and wound up pregnant at the age of 19 putting herself through, through college as a, as a waitress and made the, the very brave choice to, uh, give the, her daughter up for adoption, found a, found a, a family and was able to provide a, a daughter for, for this family. And she was always, she, she'd kind of struggled a bit in college, like figuring out her way. She was going to be a, a music education major. Then she was going to go into business. And so she was, she was like two classes shy of her business degree when this happened. And she had always like hated blood. She had always like anytime her, she had to get her blood taken, she would like pass out. But she was in the hospital and like the witness of love and care from the nurses just like was this watershed moment for her. And like after that, like it was, it was this, this, this crushed moment for her. But again, like a Phoenix from the ashes, like this, this helped her draw closer to God. She was like, well, I was pregnant. I was going to daily mass every day. I was praying at a spiritual director. Like it was like this moment where God was really working on her soul and she discerned, like I'm called to be a nurse. And she like stopped her business degree, went and got all her science prereqs, which she hadn't done any of because she was like a business and a music major. All of a sudden she's taking like anatomy and physiology and chemistry and like crushed those classes and then uh, went through nursing school. And like now she's a pediatric nurse practitioner. Like she she's she's a rock star working in the ER. And like it, it's just uh, amazing to me, like how this story connects so well with her that she was able to able to rise from that through God's grace. So, um, that's, thank you for sharing that. That is so beautiful. And I just want to hit on two notes. Cause yeah, go ahead. Uh, so I'm an adoptive parent. I'm a foster and adoptive oh, parent. Okay. And I love that your mom, that your wife is a, we call it, we call our, can you hear me by the yeah, way? I can I hear you. Yep. Okay, cool. Um, uh, I love that you, that your wife is a first, we call our son's, um, first mama. That's what mm-hmm. we call him. Oh, um, but I want to say one thing because if there's any adoptees listening, mm-hmm. the we we want to start using the the term placing. Placing your okay. wife placed. The only reason I say that is because your wife didn't give up. Anything. Oh, okay. Placed 
her child. Um, and that is always her child Uh and, um, how sweet and beautiful. And I, I don't know what the, if it's open or closed or whatever, but, um, wow, that's just incredible. And thank you for sharing that story. Cause that's, um, as someone in the adoption community, um, adoption is loss, you know, Mm -hmm. and it is every which way it's Mm -hmm. a loss for the child. It's a loss for the adoptive family. And it's a loss for the, um, the child. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we create a triad and all three are really, really important. And so I just want to speak to that and speak to anybody who is listening, who is a first parent Mm -hmm. or, um, is an adoptee Mm -hmm. that, um, yeah, what an incredible story. And, and, you know, I, I think it goes back to the redemption, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's what's so beautiful about your wife's story and about every crushed moment is that, God, there's no plan A, plan B, plan C, plan. God is constantly writing your story with you. Mm -hmm. And I think if we just let him, if we surrender to the fact that we're going to make mistakes and we're going to, we're going to do things that we wish we could say, I really wish I could take that back. Yeah. But ultimately Mm -hmm. that's not a, we have to accept that that's not a choice, but what's our next step. Mm -hmm. And I think our next step is the surrender and that get that's so hard to get to. And just wow to your wife that those moments of her being in the hospital and we loved so well by these nurses and what that gift created Mm -hmm. is just so, so, so beautiful. And that there's a little person out there who probably may not be a little person anymore, yeah, maybe a big not. person. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, so just, I'm, thank you. Yeah. You're welcome. And thank you. And thank you. Thank you to Maddie. Um, I, I love that. Like the, the, the difference between, yeah, that's just something we say is they gave them up for adoption, but like the, the placing, like that's such a, I love, I love the way you phrase that. That's great. That's, that's, it goes to, and before they've even, if a woman is just thinking about placing, she's thinking about a plan and she's, she's an expectant mother. She's not a birth mother. You don't become a birth mother or a birth father until that placement is taken place. And I think what's really important about that, especially in the pro-life discussion is that, and the whole life, I want to say the whole life discussion is that these women that are going through this decision deserve all the love and care and support because yes. there are women that want to parent that are told you don't have X, Y, and Z, mm-hmm. whether it's finances or whatever. And so you shouldn't. And so there's this, there's this narrative that is all about these adoptive parents that are swooping in and saving. And it's mm-hmm. like, wait, 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 wait. Okay. Yeah. you know, like nobody's like your wife is such an incredible woman that, that made this plan and that place yeah. her child. And so I just want to speak to that because I think sometimes yeah. it is all about the adoptive mm-hmm. parents. Yeah. Thank you for that perspective. I've, I'd, I'd never thought about it that way. That's really beautiful. Um, I'm going to geek out for just a moment on the musicality of this song because um, she does some really cool things here just with the, the chord structure is uh, so the, the, the chord progression is like really simple at first. Uh, in, in not what I asked for, and if I'm honest, but then it goes to like this weird major three chord. Uh, so anyway, the way the chord progression would normally go is the one chord, the five chord, the six chord, the four chord, and that's there's like a million pop songs that do that. But halfway through the song, she switches it from the one to the five chord to. And it's like all of a sudden there's this little blues tension in the middle of it. And just that's just such good writing from Sarah Bareilles. And again, I was talking about how the the melody from, from chorus to chorus changes. Um, 
like the first chorus is like pretty sweet, and then the second chorus it's like Who'd be reckless just enough? Who gets hurt? But who learns how to toughen up when she's bruised and gets used by men who can love? It's just like got a lot more power and a little more, more grit to it. Um, and then she'll get stuck and be scared of the life that's inside her growing stronger each day till it finally reminds her to fight back a little and bring back the fire in her eyes that's been gone but used to be mine. And it's just... It, she has such a musicality the way it ramps up and then that chord in the middle it just ah right in the feelings so uh, anyway i love it so <laughs> so good so good i'm just so laughing good. because i love that this is what you geek out on because i geek out on the lyrics yeah. i geek out on the storytelling and i'm mm-hmm. just like oh my gosh it's so good yeah so. and she's she's got all of that going on so all Wait, right you you know rent right yeah yeah we'll, we'll do a we'll do that episode you at some point so much like Roger, it's crazy. Yeah, I get, I get that, I get that a lot. And if I was ever to like, and I was like, oh, it's 1997 again. Yes. And I'm going to sit alongside for twenty dollars tickets for rent. I, I get that a lot. And if I ever like went back to theater, I would like probably try to audition for for Roger somewhere. I definitely, I definitely get that a lot. So yeah, thank you. <laughs> all right, so um. All right, where are we going next? We're going to, I wanted to talk about some of her, man, I'm like, I'm like a little emotionally <laughs> frazzled yeah, at this point. Yeah, I know that was a lot. I'm doing, I'm doing, a, I'm doing okay. I'm holding it together. I'm just, I'm just like, man, uh, you have these, I, ha- I have these moments where I'm just like in awe of my wife and like the woman she is and how awesome she is. And you know, not, not that she doesn't have flaws and we don't have issues sometimes and not that we have a perfect marriage, but she's just, I don't know. She's awesome and I'm so in love with her and just she's she's an amazing but person. Can I stop so. for a second? Because yeah. I think for the men and the women that are I, I think your demographic is younger, right? I think it's younger. I'm not really sure what my demographic is. Okay. Well, people that are listening, yeah. I'm gonna throw this out there. Yeah. I think what I love about this is the transparency that you and your wife have. And that is such a and that's what Sarah talks about. She talks about honesty and she she lets herself be vulnerable and vulnerable is really just letting people see you. Yeah. And I think what's so beautiful about this is you're allowing people right now to see inside in a boundary way of mm-hmm. what makes your marriage so beautiful with your wife and what, how marriage can grow people closer to heaven. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it's so, like my show's all about getting emotional. <laughs> so. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you. I, I appreciate that. All right. So what I want to talk about next is kind of a, a few different songs that have to do with relationships that like are hard and mm-hmm. maybe they don't work out. So I'm thinking of songs like Gravity, um, Hold My Heart, uh, Undertow, which I know is one, one of your favorites. Um, so in mm-hmm. Fairy Tale. So I know for, for me, I, I dated a lot, probably too much through my college years and into my twenties. And so like breakup songs, like it's why I love Taylor Swift. It's why I love Usher. It's why I love Maroon 5. It's just like speaks to my heart. And it's why I love Sarah Barella. She has like such good breakup songs. And so like, do, do you, do you have a favorite kind of like troubled love song from her? I mean, first of all, I wrote a show called Why Is It That the Boys You Like Never Like You Back? I dated a lot. <laughs> and also, I wanted to date a lot more, and they weren't liking me. Yeah. Um, uh-huh. I think my favorite is probably, it, honestly, it goes hand-in-hand, hand, Gravity and Undertow. Mm-hmm. Because I think in so many ways, 
they're both the same story yeah. of the push and the pull <laughs> and the longing to be with this person, knowing this person isn't right. And the like, you know, just like, it's like, you can't get away from this person. Yeah. And that in that way can be anything that's not great. Yeah. It doesn't have, it doesn't to. have to just be a relationship. Yeah. Something always brings you back to you. Never takes too long. No matter what I can do. Yeah, that's that's such a beautiful song, uh, Gravity. And it's I, we just did an episode on John Mayer a little while ago, and he has a song called Gravity. And just like that idea oh, yeah. of they go hand in hand. Yeah, this person that just can like pull you in, and it's like you 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 can't get it away from you can't get away from them. Um, but uh, she's like, one thing I still know is that you're 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 keeping me down, and. Like, I, I think there's, there's a, a realization there. Cause sometimes every relationship is hard. Every romantic relationship is hard and it's supposed to be hard. And that's, that's where like real love begins. John Paul II, who's right there. He's in one of these pictures, but anyway, um, he says like the real love of a relationship. Be- What'd you say? JP squared. JP squared. I like that. <laughs> so he has this thing where he says, when two people fall in love, like it's easy at the beginning. Right. But then when the real love begins is the, the first time it gets hard and that's where the real love begins. And yeah. so it's supposed to be hard. You're supposed to work through these things, but at, it's not supposed to be like, like, like at some point, at least, at least before, if, if you're not married, like there are red flags where you can set up those boundaries and say, was well, not supposed to be this hard, at least not this early, you know? Um, and I feel like she's coming to kind of coming to that realization by the end of this song is like, I keep coming back to you. I keep coming back to you, but I, I realize like you're keeping me down, you know? And maybe this, this, this isn't what's, what's best for me or even best for you. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's the difference between, is it life giving or is it soul sucking? Oh, you know? okay. And, and, I think that, you know, relationships, I agree with you that relationships, they, the hard part to me is what we were just talking about a little while ago, the mm-hmm. transparency, the honesty, the communication, yeah. the, the law, you're going to probably during this marriage, you're going to lose parents. You could lose a child. You yeah. could lose, there's so many different things in a relationship. You lose a job, like yeah. have to move. Like, there's huge things that happen within a marriage and a lifetime. The one thing that shouldn't be the issue is, do we like each other or not? Yeah. Do we want to spend time with each other? Are we good yeah. for each other? Mm-hmm. And yes, we will go through seasons of probably liking each other more than other. But I think that's the like grounding, the root. And yeah. I think I would look at these things of like relationships are supposed to be hard. And my husband and I talk about this a lot because he dated a lot less than I did. <laughs> but uh, he, I remember him talking back. He would like fight for these relationships. Very similar to what you were talking about in height your high school, what your uh-huh. dad said, like he would kind of contort himself to be what these girls wanted. And mm-hmm. I did the same thing. Yeah. And instead of just being authentically, like, this is who I am. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately that's what I did with my ex fiance. And mm-hmm. he was like, yeah, I don't want that. Mm-hmm. And that was why it was so crushing because the other relationships I had kind of contorted myself and, and, um, lied to myself and, and taken parts of myself away, especially yeah. a lot of times my spirituality mm-hmm. and with my ex fiance, I hadn't. And so for him to turn his back on me was the worst thing mm-hmm. that could possibly happen. Because wow. he was Ultimately he was rejecting me to the core, yeah. not some version of. Him. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, uh, that's a, you're, you're kind of blowing my mind right now. Um, the idea that I think also um, where I was going to go from there is we wanted to talk about fairy tale and I think a lot mm. of times where 
this kind of putting too much into a relationship that maybe isn't isn't going to last is comes from kind of believing in this fairy tale, believing in yeah. all the movies we watch, romantic comedies, Disney movies, whatever it is that, um, you know, every everything is rosy in the end and it's it's all going to work out. And I think for me growing up, I feel like in a lot of media, maybe not so much nowadays, but when I was growing up uh, in any romance it was if there were problems, it was pretty much the guy's fault, and he just had to learn not to be such a jerk. And then <laughs> things would work out in the end. And maybe maybe the girl was like kind of a klutz and kind kind of a mess, but she wasn't like selfish. You know, it was the guy that was selfish and had to learn not to be selfish. And so I think I kind of grew up with this idea as like as long as I'm not a selfish jerk, relationships will be easy. And then like as I started dating, I was like, oh, women also can be selfish and like also can be like not virtuous. And I, I think I had kind of built up this, this kind of ideal in my mind of, of the feminine that like women are perfect mm. and women are always wonderful and, and uh, come to realize like they can be just as manipulative and selfish as, as men are. Um, and yeah. uh, then as a man, like I'm not supposed to show my emotions or think about my emotions or have emotional needs. So I'm not supposed to like bring these things up or care about these things or God forbid I would ever mm. cry or get upset unless I'm, I'm allowed to get mad, but I'm not allowed to get <laughs> any of those other things. And so that was a realization for me as well to, to kind of break these fairy tale stereotypes that our media and just our, our culture kind of has impressed upon us as, as men and women and men and women in relationships. So I don't know. Have you had experience with that? Oh my goodness. Um, <laughs> Uh, it's so funny because we actually this week, I know this this will air later, but uh -huh. this week we're dropping an episode about um, romantic comedies and mm -hmm. the kind of the, the, the detriment of them, but also the beauty of them mm -hmm. and the goodness of them and how one of the best things about romantic comedies is I feel like we don't dissect them enough. Yeah. As human beings in relationship, we should dissect them. I mean, my mom used to have very special episodes of TV shows and we would like, oh my gosh, I don't play hide and seek in a refrigerator because of Punky Brewster. <laughs> like, I won't smoke because you know, Jody Sweeten. I mean, like uh -huh. everything was a very special episode and everything, but I think we should be doing that with romantic comedies and mm -hmm. fairy tales. And ultimately the goodness of this is that it's the story of salvation. We want the happily ever after. We're all longing for it. I think C.S. Lewis says something like, you know, the reason, maybe this world doesn't, sat I'm paraphrasing, yeah. sorry, C.S. Mm -hmm. uh, but like, maybe this world doesn't satisfy because we weren't made for this world. Oh, so ultimately yeah. we do mm -hmm. want the happily ever after, but yeah. like, happily ever after is not going to happen here but yeah. we'll get glimpses of it right yes. on Amen. earth as it is in heaven yes but i think what happens is and i and i actually say this in our romantic comedy episode like i don't care about the first kiss of the hallmark movie mm -hmm. or miscongeniality i don't care about the proposal at the bachelor mm -hmm. i want the three months when they're trying to figure out how to make it work after they've been on hot air balloons in the bachelor i don't even yeah. watch uh -huh. bachelor. <laughs> but like I want after that first kiss, mm -hmm. what is actually happening? That's the real goodness. That's mm -hmm. going back to the, all of that. But I think what happens is we have to just deconstruct these ideas. And it's funny what you got out of romantic comedies. Cause I got out of romantic comedies. Real love is when a guy changes for you. Oh, okay. Like, <laughs> and that's what, I, that's what crushed was all about. My one woman show is that I kept going after these players. Cause I was like, Oh my gosh. Like, I mean, very, um, Greece. Um, and wait, what's the, one walk to remember, which is not a romantic comedy, mm -hmm. but it's this, you know, whatever, this pious virgin girl mm -hmm. and this like rock star, you know, guy. And mm -hmm. oh my gosh. And she has the glow up moment on stage where she's so beautiful. And then mm -hmm. she goes back to being plain. And I was bullied and awkward kid. And I had like a bowl cut. It was rough, mm -hmm. but I wanted that. And I thought real love was when a guy changed for you. Wow. And my husband and I went out and I 
thought he was, the, I thought he was so great. We met in improv. He was so funny. And then we went on the first date and he was too nice. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm not attracted to that. Mm. And I ghosted him and we didn't talk for like three years. Wow. And I dated a jerk and he cheated on me. And, wow. But I really thought because of the people in my life and the stories that I watched on television that right what you said, if a guy stops being selfish, if he stops playing women and mm-hmm. you finally realize I want to change for this woman, then mm-hmm. that means the woman is worth it. And wow. that's what I was looking for. Going back mm-hmm. to, I didn't believe I mattered. Mm-hmm. So I was constantly like, if I can just prove my worth through this guy mm-hmm. changing for me, then I'll matter. If mm-hmm. I can just prove my worth through my fame and then everybody will know and then I'll know. Wow. And so it's all interrelated of just, I didn't know my value. I didn't mm-hmm. know my identity. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> that's that. Thank you for sharing that. Cause I think a lot of people associate with that. And again, from like the guy's perspective, I, I, there's also lots of movies where it's like the guy saves the girl. And so like, mm. I, I feel like a lot of times my, my, my kryptonite in dating when a girl was like just crazy enough to need some saving, you know, like just broken enough to need some saving. And like, I was like, well, I can, I'm a, I'm a, she just needs a big, strong man like me to save her and like show her stability and love and then things will be all right. And like, no, that's, that, that's not that first of all, like what a twisted, messed up perspective for me, but also like, it's just, yeah, it's, it's not good. So I, I agree. And that's part of what we hope to do in this show is break apart those, those things from media and separate the good from the bad. Cause those are the stories we tell ourselves. And those are the, the things we tell ourselves. So. And here's the thing as a writer, as a comedy writer, mm-hmm. and as a writer in general, a character has to have somewhere to go. They yeah. have to grow. Mm-hmm. So that's why you're seeing these guys be players. Mm-hmm. And then they become these, like you know good men whatever yeah that's why you're seeing it but the problem is is then you contort that in your mind to be mm-hmm. or at least i did i can't yeah. speak for anybody else um and so it's almost like you want to also break apart the story why are they doing this why are they like we're selling i mean they're selling a product yeah. ultimately um but my husband by the way and one of our dearest friends who got married a couple years ago but they, they both had that putting women on pedestals mm-hmm. like um oh i have to protect them or mm-hmm. like they need a bit you know I can't hurt them. And like, mm-hmm. they're so perfect. And I, and, and, you know, <laughs> spoiler alert or not. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's great. Thank you for that. Um, last, last thing I want to talk about is Sarah also has a number of songs that are kind of like strong, independent women. Like I think of, I'm not going to write you a love song, you know, directed at her, at her record label, like kind of standing up to a rep- record label. Um, brave, of course, like, you know, you gotta, you gotta say what you, what you want to say. Um, king mm-hmm. of anything about this guy who's kind of trying to direct her life. And she's like, look, I don't need saving. And, um, there's, there's this moment in, um, in King of Anything specifically, uh, that just, it, it hits me every time. It's like, all my life I've tried to make everybody happy while I just heard and hide. Waiting for someone to tell me it's my turn to decide. And that idea that uh, I, I think everybody can struggle with this, but I think I've, I've seen, especially in like female friends and, and family members and a lot of the students I've worked with this, this kind of implicit idea for women that like, they're not supposed to speak up, just people please. And it's a real moment of growth for many women and a moment of maturity to realize, like, I don't need to people please, even if people are going to call me a B word, like I, I need to like self-advocate and set those boundaries. And anyway, I just, I, I was curious from a woman's perspective, if, if that connected with you, if you have anything to say about that. <laughs> um, okay. So 
a lot of things, I think one, and I mean, I know you're in the arts as well, mm-hmm. but being a woman that is in a visual medium mm-hmm. is, you know, I did an interview for the Today Show a while back and I, we were talking about aging and I was talking about getting back into the business and mm-hmm. stuff. But, and it was interesting to have so many different women talk about aging and everything, mm-hmm. but we are constantly picked apart. Yeah. And that is our value and our worth is our beauty. Wow. Just like a man's value and worth is what he can provide in his money. Yeah. I'm not saying those are true statements, yeah. but I'm saying that's what romantic comedies and everything the media tells us. Yeah. And I, so I've talked about this a ton on my podcast and especially on my episode, our very special episode where I talk about my two crush moments. Mm-hmm. As an actress, I was constantly told, you're not pretty enough. Mm. You're not pretty enough. You're not pretty enough. Wow. To my face. This wow. wasn't a like, ooh, maybe. Um, mm. And, you know, my first, I remember one of my first big auditions was for a USA show called the 4400. It was one of the leads and I went in and I killed it. I mean, I was crying. It was amazing. I even remember getting hit on in the waiting room by a really cute guy. And I was like, no, dude, no. <laughs> Which I, that, I was really proud of myself. Yeah. Because I was like, well, please, cute boy. <laughs> and I killed it. And then I went in and my manager was like, one of my managers was like, um, did, uh, yeah, they loved you. They thought you were the best read. They really wanted to bring you producers, but uh, you're just not pretty enough. They didn't feel you were pretty enough to bring producers. Oh my God. That got stamped on me. And I wish I could tell you that that didn't, that I would have been 20, I think 23. My gosh. That followed me. I'm 40. Mm-hmm. And I'm just getting um, healed from that oh in the gosh. last year and a half. And wow. I walked into every room thinking I needed to prove to them that I could be there because obviously I needed to apologize for not being pretty enough. Mm. I needed to apologize for not being what they needed, but don't worry. Cause I'm going to prove to you. My talent's really great. I'm really funny or really I'll, I'll pull at your heartstrings, whatever. Wow. And Sarah talks about in a lot of those songs, you know, when a lot of women and a lot of people, there's a buzzword of the patriarchy, right? Mm-hmm. And there's, and, feminism and there's a lot of buzzwords around there and I think what happens is they get put in a camp and people don't actually hear we forget to listen we're just it affects us it affects our wounds right mm-hmm. and we're yeah. like oh, what? stop stop talking or mm-hmm. we're like yeah keep talking mm-hmm. and instead of really listening to what's really being said and I think ultimately she's saying these these are for the people that just had something to say they had a comment about everything I never invited them in. I never said, hey, please tell me about my nose or tell me about my weight or tell me about my hair Mm -hmm. or tell me about how I'm coming across that you don't like. Mm -hmm. And I think ultimately, whether it's Instagram or Facebook or TikTok or um, actually, you know, being in the public eye, we are all subjected to that, especially as women, Mm -hmm. when that is our currency. Yeah or at least that's how the world values us. It is an incredibly hard thing to deconstruct that and figure out what is our value and yeah. our, our worth. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I went on a retreat, the life team women's retreat, um, like a year and a half ago. Mm-hmm. I think it was in, it was 29. I think it was like 2019. Mm-hmm. And, um, that was the moment that God, like, really pierced me and was like, you have been carrying this around. Your identity has been, you're not pretty enough. And it it, honestly, it didn't start there, right? Mm -hmm. It starts way back. Yeah. So it started 
way, way back as a child with deep childhood wounds mm-hmm. with, you know, family and friends and, and bullies and stuff. So I think what's so great about Sarah is she's so honest, like in interviews, she'll be like, huh, I guess I'm not over that, you know, but also what's so great about her is she says things like, I had to make an active choice to fall in love with my nose. Mm-hmm. And I think we have to make active choices to ask God, Hey God, like, what am I not seeing? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we need to ask the Holy Spirit in those moments too. Hey God, like, where am I really wounded and where am I not even realizing I'm just, I'm bleeding. Yeah. You know, we're, I am the woman that was bleeding for 12 years, wow. except I was bleeding for a heck of a lot longer. I was hemorrhaging. And because of my hemorrhaging, I was also hemorrhaging over everybody else without even realizing it. Oh my gosh. I was so wounded and hurt. And I went into LA and acting for all the right reasons, but for all the wrong reasons too. I went mm-hmm. in because I wanted to create content that was funny and worth it and mm-hmm. valuable and sharp. But I also went in there because I wanted to prove myself. Yeah. Love me. Love me. Yes. <laughs> like, yeah. And how many of us, like every, everybody wants the Susan Boyle moment. Mm-hmm. Everybody wants yes. the moment, moment. And we talk about this on one of our episodes where you walk on stage and everybody's like, I'm written, writing that. Who is this woman? Why is she talking? Mm-hmm. And then she's funny. Mm-hmm. And they still mock her. Mm-hmm. And then she opens her mouth and she sings and she proves her value. Mm-hmm. And then everybody's like obsessed with her. Yeah. And everybody mm-hmm. wants that moment. Yeah. But the but the moment before is that she had she already was worth something. Yes. Whether she sang or didn't, she was already worth something. But that is a incredibly hard thing, especially as a woman, mm-hmm. to believe that we are valued and worth and our identity is in Christ and we are chosen. And it's so hard to believe when every single thing in the media is telling us that's not true. Wow. I want to, I'm going to, I'm, I'm glad we're recording what you just said. Cause I'm going to, I'm going to like listen back to that. And there's like, I know I, I need to hear that as a man, but I know there's definitely women watching and listening right now. I have a tear rolling down my cheek, by the way. Um, and uh, that are going to benefit from what you just said. Like, yeah, man, I've, I've and never, I've never, I was just going to say that that, that image about hemorrhaging, like I've never connected the story in that way, but that's beautiful. Sorry, go ahead. No, I just want to say something. I'm going to get emotional, but like this is hard fought and hard won. Mm -hmm. We talk a lot on Crush about healing. Healing sucks, guys. It sucks. Like I don't want to pretend it's this rainbows and unicorns of like, I, I'm going to just, you know, speak my truth and I'm going to be okay. It's mm-hmm. not. And yeah. it, the only way this is going to happen is if we allow Christ to press on our wounds. And the only way this is going to happen is if we allow those wounds in a safe place to be gently and slowly exposed. Mm. And I think what we're seeing right now is so many people are just crying children having temper tantrums because nobody hugged them yeah and and i don't mean that in a funny way but i yeah. do as well like yeah it's like who hurt you yeah seriously you know and and i'll be the first one to say a lot of people hurt me and i also hurt myself yeah mm-hmm. and you know my spiritual director um when we were talking about it so i went in to speak with him and it ended up being that was the gospel reading of the day was wow. the hemorrhaging woman and he said the first thing he says to her, I believe is daughter. And because of my childhood wounds, I had never been a daughter. Wow. I was always a mother and a big sister to everybody else. 
And I feel like God has been saying to me, and I, I think there are women and men that are listening that like, they were never got to be kids. And that it's, there's so much about that then speaks to the choices that you make because you have to like, you feel like you have to take care of yourself and everybody around you. Wow. I'm like weeping <laughs> right now. That's, that is so beautiful. Um, wow. This has been like four times this episode. Normally I'm like ready to come in with a retort and like, <laughs> or, or like a response and like, you're just, you're just, um, I just am, am, am speechless. Thank you so much, Kirsten, for your, your wisdom and your vulnerability and, um, just you're willing to, to, to share with us today. Um, are on a less serious note, <laughs> let's well let's let's pray first because I feel like we're in a moment where I I, I need to pray. Would you uh, uh would you uh, close us in a prayer? Yeah, awesome. in the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Um, Lord, I just want to ask for the intercession of I'm going to maybe pronounce her name wrong right now, but Saint Louise de Merlac. Um, she was somebody who was crushed over and over and over again, God, and um, I think sometimes we forget that we are worthy to say out loud that we've been crushed and we want to pass it off and just pretend it's not happening or push it aside because we need to love and serve other people. And I think right now, and what Sarah talks about is sticking up for yourself and, um, and loving yourself so that you can love other people. And God, I just want to pray for everybody that's listening right now, that they know that they are worthy and um, they are chosen. And they were chosen before they ever sang a note or cracked a joke or looked in the mirror or cried. They were chosen. And you are chosen, each one of you that's listening. Um, And you are so beloved and you are a daughter and a son of God. And so we just, we thank you, God, for this conversation. We thank you that we were able to talk about so many different things. Um, And most importantly, we thank you, son, son of God for healing our wounds and binding our wounds and also doing it gently. Please do it gently. It's really hard work. Um, and we ask this just all in Christ's name, in the name of the father, son, and the Holy spirit. Amen. Yay, Jesus. Yay, Jesus. Kirsten, thank you so much for, uh, just, just cracking open our hearts in the gospel and, uh, in your own heart and, and putting it on display for us so that we can, we can, uh, share in, uh, a little bit of the healing that, that God has, has, has brought through you. Um, so, uh, thank you to all our viewers. If uh, you are as moved by this episode as I was, please find someone to share it with, uh, you know, like us on Facebook and, uh, in, in YouTube and subscribe and, you know, send a screenshot to somebody, uh, in a bag, in a box of tissues as well. (laughs) And, um, and also if you really want to support this show and keep the cameras running and the lights on, you can become a patron by going to popculturecatechism.com and, uh, choose a giving level. There's one of six levels with perks for each one and you get access to exclusive content. Uh, after this episode, we're going to talk a little bit about Sarah's best love song. So, and you can get access to all that through the Awaken app, uh, which is free for everyone. And there's lots of free content, a music library, a prayer library, a Catholic Christian community, um, and then uh, access to all the shows. And then if you're a patron, access to lots of exclusive content as well. Thank you viewers and listeners uh, for being with us today. Sorry if I sniveled and dripped into the mic. <laughs> we, we love you. Jesus loves you more. Bye.
Real quick, I need to give a very special thank you, thank you, thank you to our patrons who support this show and make it possible, especially Troy, Henry, Carl and Melissa Gore, Lisa and Bob Tenney, Stephen, Maggie Hubbard, Rob Smith, Tom and Emily Comberiotti, and to all our patrons who give generously. Thank you so much, and make sure you check out the exclusive content in the app. Thank you, and Merry Christmas to all of you.